Hello gamers, are you ready to dive into a video game podcast unlike any other? Then look no further. Welcome to Console Combat. I'm John. And I'm Dean. We're here to give you the info on the latest releases, upcoming titles, and everything else that's making waves in the gaming universe. That's right, Dean. But that's not all we do here at Console Combat. Each week, we'll put two video game characters against each other in our epic battle simulator, Cortex. After a brief speculation, Cortex ultimately determines who would emerge victorious by running 1,000 battles in its adopted Monte Carlo simulator. Who has the mightiest punch, the fastest speed, or the most cunning strategy? On Console Combat, Combat, we'll put that to the test. Essentially, we're a multiversal Super Smash Bros. style podcast. So whether you're a casual player or a hardcore gaming enthusiast, there's something for everyone here at Console Combat. So grab your controllers, strap in, and let's get ready for some action. Keep the confidence, damn it. <laughs> I thought you DC guys were known for confidence. DC, damn confident. No, we're pretty emo, like Batman. Welcome to the Mad Trivia Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mad Trivia Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Mad Trivia John. And this week I have, as always, uh, a guest and a fellow podcaster. Uh, A little while back, you'll remember that I had Marvelous Joe of the Dynamic Duel Podcast. And today I have his twin brother, Johnny D.C., the other half of Dynamic Duel, and I'm going to let you guys figure out just by context clues alone which side he represents in the fight between Marvel and DC. Um, other than that, I'm going to let Jonathan, Johnny DC, take it away. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm the other half of the Dynamic Duel podcast. Some would say the better half. Uh, I think most people and the smartest people would say I'm the better half um, <laughs> because DC is just so much better. And uh, no, we've been doing the podcast for a oh, while, wow. seven, seven years? years now. Yeah, we started in 2016 uh, and we we're around like 325 episodes, I think close to that so far. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, you really help us out in coming up with a lot of our content, a lot of our matches. In fact, you came up with one of my favorite duels that we've ever done, duel episodes, in where we pit the Batman Who Laughs versus Cosmic Ghost Rider. It was a lot of fun to do that. And it's yeah, we're, we're still doing movie reviews, and it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm really excited that a lot of our executive producers have started doing their own podcasts. I love this podcast. I love the whole concept of it. I loved Mad Libs, you know, growing up. I still love doing them with my with my daughters to this day. And I'm a big fan of movies. I have been ever since I was in high school, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, we do a lot of movie reviews on our own podcast. So this is like one of my favorite podcasts of all time. I'm excited to be on it. Oh, well, thanks for the accolades. That's really nice to hear from a uh, award-winning Colorado-based podcast. <laughs> that was that was a while back. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, when it happens once, it can always happen again. Maybe. Hopefully. That'd be cool. Keep the confidence, damn it. <laughs> I thought you DC guys were known for confidence. DC, damn confident. No, we're pretty emo, like Batman. <laughs> Battinson specifically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't, I won't, I've, I've gone down this tangent with so many of my guests. I won't do it to you too. Dustin, just, I know if you listen that you, you're going to be upset with me. For not yeah. No, yeah. but it's okay. I won't do it to you. Uh, three hours too long. Um, <laughs> three hours anyway, is too yeah. short i wanted more straight to the vein. Snyder, Snyder cut Snyder cut deserved the the time that it got for sure though i'll never argue yeah. that cool yeah i agree so your movies uh you had a nice little list here uh you gave me 2001 a space odyssey kingdom of heaven director's cut the fountain life of pi and then you switched one out for adaptation yes uh, originally i said Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but we recently did a bonus episode of our podcast that we do exclusively for our patrons, where we uh, talked about our top 10 favorite films. And as I was compiling that list, the top five that you just named were my top five. And I figured that since, you know, I just appreciated adaptation more, surely should be my fifth one. And considering the fact that it's, it's a comedy, I thought it was a nice switch. 
uh, as well. So adaptation, it's a fantastic movie. Okay, well, since you went into that one a little bit more, we can start with that one as to why it's in your top five, and we'll go down the rest of the list after. Yeah, Adaptation is a really, really unique movie. Have have you seen it? I have not. I know that we just discussed it on Ghost Rider because Nicolas Cage is in it, correct? Right, yeah. Nicolas Cage is the star of Adaptation. He actually plays uh, two roles in the movie. He plays twin brothers, um, Charlie Kaufman and Andy Kaufman. Uh, Charlie Kaufman is a famous screenwriter. He wrote uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. When he wrote this movie, he actually wrote himself as a character in it that's played by Nicolas Cage. He also wrote a fictional twin brother uh, of him named Andy. And interestingly enough, when Charlie was nominated for an Academy Award for this film, so is his brother. Because Andy Kaufman is also credited with the screenplay, even though he doesn't exist so uh that's an interesting bit of trivia for there hopefully i didn't ruin that if that's one of the trivia questions if this is the movie we're going to be doing trivia on but uh, i i just i love this movie because it's like i mentioned so unbelievably unique it's a story about a guy writing a screenplay about a book about orchids and just how that story unfolds and where it ends up at the very end is hilarious and shocking and moving and everything that great cinema should be it's a fantastic movie um i know yeah it's 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 just it's just fantastic it's it's uh, anyone who hasn't seen it definitely recommend it as with any film on this list i'd like to think that my list isn't quite conventional you know it's not uh films that maybe a lot of people have seen i sort of pride myself on that because I think there are a lot of great movies out there that, you know, never really gained popular appeal, but that people would still enjoy if they knew about them. Adaptation is definitely one of those movies. Okay. I, I mean, it's Nicolas Cage, so it's definitely war- warranting a check out just in that alone. It's twice um, the Nicolas Cage. So it's either for, <laughs> to, to just call back to a conversation we were having earlier, you either really love that movie or you really hate that movie <laughs> this this is the one this is this is one of those movies that make me really really love nicholas cage as an actor now did you see the unbearable weight of massive talent i did i did it, isn't it fantastic it is a fantastic movie yeah i agree it's this film and that film adaptation and the unbearable weight of massive talent that i think are his two best films i would say that's bold very bold I stand by it Fair. I mean, I would I would probably always stick my neck out for Face Off as one of his best. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will go to his action films like like uh, Con, Con Air. Air, Face Off. No, I think he's a much better dramatic actor than he is an action star, personally. I mean, yeah, that that's fair. That's just my taste in movies as well. Like, I don't. We've talked about this uh, a few instances. Although I think it's been a while since we have this, we've had this discussion. I don't get too much value out of entertainment. I want good story that teaches me, that moves me. I'm not always searching for escapism. I'm seeking to grow. And I think stories are a powerful form of having you experience something uh, without actually having to experience it and still learning from it. That's that's totally reasonable. And I mean, we, yeah, where you say it's been brought up before, I know exactly what you're talking about because you're not a fan of popcorn movies like that is the way you've described it in the past. Um, and, and to some degree, I understand. It's a big reason why, you know, I probably skew more DC than Marvel. You know, uh, DC has some great, great stories that are more than just, you know, fan service and, and humor and action. Uh, you take a look at, you know, Watchmen. I always go back to that. You take a look at Sandman. I think people are starting to learn more about these stories. and may not even know that they're from DC Comics. That's one of the reasons I'm glad they're being adapted. Yeah, V for Vendetta is another good one that's uh, oh. toes that exp- that line like of, you don't know it's a DC comic, but right. it's, it is fantastic. That That is a great movie. 
any of your other four, uh, Life of Pi, Fountain, Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, and or 2001 A Space Odyssey? I'll go to 2001 A Space Odyssey because that is my favorite movie. It has been since I was in high school. I read the book before I saw the movie. I loved the book, and that may be a huge reason why I also love the movie. But it's also a Stanley Kubrick film, and Stanley Kubrick is one of the all-time greatest auteur directors in Hollywood of all time, right? He directed Clockwork Orange, The Shining, so many great movies. I think his magnum opus, however, is 2001 A Space Odyssey because of how influential it was and how pioneering it was in for cinema in general. Like you wouldn't have Star Wars if you didn't have 2001 A Space Odyssey. It pioneered a lot of the special effects that they used for the first Star Wars movie. And it was so good and so accurate that really the only thing that dates the movie is its title, 2001. It's a movie that's about everything, really. It spans the whole history of human civilization up to the year 2001, I guess, or what they imagined the year 2001 would be when they made the movie in the 1960s. It's about humanity at its core and where we're going from where they were in the 60s. And I think still to this day where we're going, you know, we have entrepreneurs like Elon Musk who are creating companies like SpaceX with these visions of, of sending people into space. But really, like, where do we go from there? Like, should we leave our planet? Are we even do we even belong in outer space? The whole movie is so existential all the way up to the very final scene. Uh, it really, really makes you think. And those are my favorite movies, the ones that really make you think. I have to ask this one again. Have you seen this one? I think I did much, much, much younger. Yeah, I, I could see that. I feel like a lot of people who have seen the movie saw it when, when they were young. Because it's an old movie. And if you saw it, it was probably like... Something your parents yeah, would show you. Yeah, right? Um, and yeah, when you yeah. saw it, you know, you were probably too little to appreciate it or, you know... We're afraid of the monkeys at the beginning. I think that was me for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's there's a lot of moments in it that uh, have led to homage homages in in future movies, like most recently Barbie. You know, the opening of that is one big homage to 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's a film that's very very appreciated by the industry and respected by the industry. And, and I think there's even more to appreciate, appreciate it once you think and delve on the story and understand the story. And I think, you know, maybe the book helped with that. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely worth, worth viewing again. If, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a while. Um, okay. Well, Life, Life of, of Pi. Pi. Another book that I read before watching the movie and I loved the book. I loved the book a lot. The whole gist of the book is that it was a story that would make you believe in God. And the whole concept of believing in God uh, is something that has affected humankind since the dawn of civilization, since you know we were able to write and think. Um, it's... It's a, it's a fascinating concept, God, this, this, the, the notion of God. And so to have a story that makes you believe in that or, or posit that it will make you believe in that is is right away, like, I'm interested in, in hearing what this story has, has to say. And it's a surprisingly intimate story as, one, as it should be, considering most of the story revolves around one man named Pi adrift on the ocean at sea uh, with his pet tiger. Um, and just that that's still wild. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are you familiar with this story? I know okay. the story a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm more familiar with some of the stuff that's happened to it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So it's, it's uh, I don't want to spoil the ending because that's, that's the whole hook. The whole story is this build up to the very end, to this one line. And once you hear that line or read that line, it just punches you like right in the gut and makes you question like everything about your beliefs 
essentially, um, and makes you uh, hmm. really try and grasp what do I believe and why do I believe that? Why don't I believe that? It's it's fascinating, and few stories can can really grab you in that way. I can't think of another one. That's probably why I I, I like this movie, the story. Uh, I like the movie specifically also because I thought it was just gorgeous. Ang Lee is one of my favorite directors. He also directed films like Brokeback Mountain. He directed uh, the infamous 2003 Hulk film. Uh, that's probably what a lot of people know him from. A lot of people hated that movie. Uh, those people are, are all wrong. That was a great movie, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Uh, but no, he's done he's done a lot of great films and uh, i think this is his best one if i'm being honest like life of pi is he just brought such a great vision to to the story he he envisioned a better movie than what you know was going on in my head as i was reading the book and i think that's rare i think most people say that the book is better and i think it's hard for me to say whether or not the book or the movie was better in this case because i really like the movie and i think he did a fantastic job with it I mean, you know, it's very, very seldom you get a good uh, movie adaptation of a book that is faithful and well done. Exactly. I mean, there's so many good examples of, of like, I mean, Fight Club with your brother was a good example. Yeah. Same thing. Very well adapted film. Yeah, Fight Club. And then you got the Harry Potter series. Total opposite. Oh, really? You like the books more? It's not like the books. They're, they're, they're not the same. It's not even like not even close. Yeah, I mean that could be disappointing. I often sometimes will get disappointed with comic book movies. You know, when we're doing reviews of them for for the Dynamic Duel podcast, and just thinking like, oh, if they would have just stuck with the comics, this could have been better. You know, but no, when when filmmakers are true lovers of the source material, in the way that I think Ang Lee was for Life of Pi, I think it really really shows. Yeah, and, I mean you can always tell that like it definitely makes the director very much a long-term name when they can do stuff like that. And it makes it. Yeah. Like you take a look at Peter Jackson. Yeah. I'm not sure. I've never read the Lord of the Rings books, but um, I know a lot of people who have my wife read the Hobbit when she was younger. Yeah. She loves those movies. I think in part, because you can really see that he was passionate about the source material. You said that she read it when she was younger and she just finished reading it because it takes that <laughs> fucking long to read that book. <laughs> The Hobbit? I thought that was like the shortest one. And they're all so long and just <laughs> the books are so big and the words are so small. Yeah. I can't. Those ones are tough. I tried reading one of them and it was plus some of the words. Yeah, I could see that. I could it's, see tough. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Let's check into Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. So this one is an interesting one, I think, because most people will probably look at the film Kingdom of Heaven, if they've seen it before, with, I don't want to say disgust, but just a dislike of the film. The movie was critically panned when it first came out in theaters because you sort of have a whole like Zack Snyder's Justice League situation going on with this movie. Ridley Scott, who many of you may know, he was the director of you know Gladiator, Alien, uh, he did Matchstick Man. He's done so many great movies, but he's always wanted to do a movie about the Crusades. And this was his opportunity to do that. He had a fantastic screenwriter for this movie with William Monaghan, uh, who also wrote The Departed, which which was also a fantastic movie. He, he actually won the Academy Award, I think the year before Kingdom of Heaven came out, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong in that, but uh, yeah, fantastic writer. And he wrote like a 300 page script about the Crusades and it scared the shit out of everyone who was making the film. But Ridley Scott had the balls to make this long ass movie, this epic saga about the story of how the final Christian crusader crusaders fought against the, the Muslims for Jerusalem and how they lost control of it. It's a story about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good man. And in a way, it, it's very reminiscent and very eye-opening as to how modern today conflicts were still there, you know, hundreds of years ago um, and how everything has really not changed too much. So 
when really Scott made this movie, the studio was like, this movie is way too long. It's like three <laughs> hours, three plus hours. We're going to cut it and we're going to release it in theaters so that we could have more screenings of it to make more money from it. Well, it turns out when you cut like an hour from a movie, you miss a lot of the connective story, a lot of the flow of the story that makes this, the story make sense. Uh, so people hated it. When I finally saw the director's cut of it, it instantly became one of my favorite movies. I just love epic sagas, you know, like Ten Commandments, like Kingdom of Heaven. It has a surprise cameo in this movie uh, who plays the last king of Jerusalem, who's like this, uh, the last king of Jerusalem was stricken with leprosy. And the actor who played the role wanted to go uncredited because he just wanted the performance to ring true instead of, you know, people like, oh, that's that actor playing that role. Um, and I think it was a great decision because it was one of the most memorable characters from the movie. I think he wears a silver mask over his face and uh, he's just like wrapped in, in bandages. His voice is so great. I compared it right when I saw it, when I was leaving the theater to like, Dan, his voice is like as good for that character as like James Earl Jones was for Darth Vader. It was like that intriguing and that that uh, impactful, I think. It's a long movie if if anyone hasn't seen it. If anyone hasn't seen it and does choose to watch it, make sure it's the director's cut because that's the only good version. And uh, the same can be said about Batman v Superman yeah. and Justice League yep. and probably Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I've, I've heard stories that that's probably the case. <laughs> Schumacher cut needs to come out. Everyone wants to see the Schumacher cut. Let's let's make it happen. Right. You guys did Snyder, now do Schumacher. <laughs> Please, thank you. Kilmer deserves to have uh, his time to shine that he didn't get back in the nineties. It's it's hard. It's hard for audiences to sit that long through a movie. Uh, not for me. Like I love binge watching hours of like Netflix seasons. Like I'd rather do that than watch like an hour each week. I just want it all at once. Not that Netflix has that release schedule, uh, but other platforms do like, you know, Hulu, HBO Max and stuff like that. I love watching a long story unfold. It's probably why I like movies like Zack Snyder's Justice League, why I liked the Batman. I don't have trouble sitting there. I have excellent bladder control, apparently. Uh, in my in my uh, advanced years, I'm starting to lose the ability to maintain bladder control, even though you're older than me. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, my ancient body is is failing me here's the trick here's the trick <laughs> don't drink water use the story as your sustenance that's what i do mm. real hydration imagination there you go there you go <laughs> i mean at least to kidney stones which is probably too much information but uh it's worth it no it's not it sucks kidney stones are worth it. <laughs> Guys, don't sacrifice water for movies. Kidney stones are awful. Sometimes require invasive surgery. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I've never had one. Despite my very overwhelming consumption throughout life, I've never had a kidney stone. Knock on wood. I would not wish it on my worst enemy. So I've heard. Um, and all this talking about kidney stones, let's talk about the fountain. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great, great. segue. Uh, no, The Fountain. Okay, so The Fountain was directed by Darren Aronofsky, another auteur filmmaker, one of my favorite filmmakers. Definitely a director that doesn't get enough adulation from big studios for the work that he does because he tends to work on a, a lot of tougher subject matter uh, projects and a little bit more indie stuff, I, I guess you could say. The Fountain is, again, my favorite work from this director who's done who has a very impressive body of work it's a story about a man who's dealing with his own mortality and the mortality of his dying wife who she is coping with her illness and her own mortality by writing a story called the fountain the movie is a framed narrative in that it's a story within a story so her book that she wrote uh, is about this Spanish uh, conquistador who travels to Latin America in search of the Tree of Life. And uh, I don't want to spoil what happens with that, but as that's going on, in the real world of the story, Hugh Jackman's character, he plays the main character, he actually plays multiple roles in the film. I guess he plays two main roles in the film. 
uh, but one of the one of those roles spans like thousands of years basically he's a doctor who is trying to find a, a cure for his wife essentially but ends up accidentally finding a cure for death as it were it's a fascinating look at what it means to be alive what it means to accept death as it were uh so in that sense it's it's a very existential story it's probably more existential than 2001 a space odyssey i guess you could argue and because it's so existential it really makes you think about yourself and, and living in your existence i i love it. it makes you think again that's a huge huge plus in my book if a movie can make me think if a movie can make me feel grateful to be alive then yeah that's that's an awesome movie that's a touching movie that's what good movies should do right they should make you happy yeah. to be yeah. alive and in my opinion no movie does this as introspectively as the fountain so you just told me about a movie where people are looking for or someone's writing a book about people who are looking for a fountain but they find the tree of life instead of the fountain of youth uh, that's what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> no, uh, he, they're looking for the tree of life. I, I, oh, but they find the fountain of youth. They, well, sort no, not really. There's, there's like a, a water feature next to the tree, I guess you could say. I'm being a smart ass anyways. <laughs> the, the true nature of this is, uh, he's actually sent me another movie. It's called Multiplicity because he has now shown that he has this thing. Jonathan here has this thing with people playing multiple roles in movies. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Michael Keaton is a good actor. Yeah, and then uh, also The Nutty Professor. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't actually seen Multiplicity, but once I do, watch it skyrocket straight up to the top of my list, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Michael Keaton playing multiple roles in a movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackman, he plays the lead of when they're telling the visual story of Rachel Weiss's character, who, the, the wife character of the book that she has written. And she plays multiple roles as well. So she'll play, you know, the Queen of Spain and she plays the wife. It's a fascinating movie. And it was unbelievably well shot. The cinematography on The Fountain is breathtaking. Also because some of the sequences take place in outer space, but there's little to no CGI as I've come to learn in the movie. Like the shots you see of like different nebulas and stuff like that are actually just, uh, it's like macro photography of uh, like uh, particles and fluid, which which is awesome because it just makes it feel that much more real. It makes it feel that much less fake. It's mm. awesome. Darren Aronofsky is a badass. He's a total badass. I would love for him to direct a Batman movie. He almost did. He almost directed a Batman movie. But uh, Christopher Nolan got it instead. Though that was not terrible. I actually love those movies. Yeah, I think that's universal for the most part. Because, I mean, come on, The Dark Knight is, is legendary. Right. It's it's legendary. It's, there's no way to describe it other than legendary. Right. It's historic. It's legendary. It's 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 iconic. I mean, nothing could be nothing could be understated about those movies, but that one especially. No, yeah, even Marvel fans like that movie. Like, I hear from so many people that I meet when I tell them about the podcast. They're like... Oh, you like DC? Uh, you know, I, I I like Marvel and Batman. It's always that. I like Marvel and Batman because he's just awesome. And I think The Dark Knight was one of those masterpieces of cinema that showed how awesome the character is. It also proved that shortcomings of the main actor don't have to necessarily ruin the movie. What? Uh, you know, like puberty when you're screaming and, you know, specifically... Uh, Christian Bale's Batman voice at times cracking as if he was going through puberty when he was yelling at the Joker. Well, it wasn't just his voice. You know, they add, they did some some work in post to make it more gravelly. People may argue that that was uh, not a good thing to do, but uh, I always understood it in the comics that he uses some kind of voice changer to to disguise his voice and make it more menacing, make it more frightful freak miller i think established that in the comic books you know how like batman would growl at bad guys when he like first appeared you don't really see that in movies and really too much in comics but i think it's an interesting concept the fact that he's playing a part he's acting it's a performance intent to strike fear yeah and we can thank kevin smith for uh, ben affleck using the voice changer in batman v superman and justice league really 
Yes, he was the one that put the, the uh, idea into Affleck's head. Oh, good on him. He reads his comics. He knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. <laughs> Fat man on Batman. It can be not, not understated. Right. So, your movies were 2001 A Space Odyssey, Kingdom of Heaven, The Director's Cut, Fountain, Life of Pi, and Adaptation. Today, your scene and questions come from 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. Fucking awesome. Yes. I love this movie. <laughs> I would have been happy with any of those, but I was secretly really hoping it was this one because I I, I, I just really want to see like what character you're going to go with for the Mad Libs. I hope it's HAL 9000. I, I'm going to say there's two characters. Okay. No, that works. That's fine. And, and me and you are me and you are sharing responsibilities for that, just so you know. Cool. So, uh, yes. So, uh, the questions, of course, as I have told told everybody, and I tell everybody, they can be from within the movie. They can be running time. They can be awards, budget. There is nothing off limits when I do my research. So, you say you know this movie so well. This is your favorite movie. It's time to put your knowledge to the test. And now I'm scared. <laughs> good you should be because it's actually been a while since i've seen the movie i at one point in my life was trying to watch it every year but with you know young children now it's so hard to watch movies that you actually want to watch especially one that that is as long as 2001 a space odyssey and one that you know is as difficult to comprehend especially for young children as 2001 a space odyssey so yeah it's it's been a while I'm uh, I'm nervous about this. Okay. Well, I think you'll do okay, but we'll see. I uh, I do have a fair amount of faith in you as a legitimate movie critic. Uh, by the way, accredited Rotten Tomatoes critics over there at Dynamic Duel. Uh, humble brag on the part of uh, acquaintanceship. Ah, thank you. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get into it here. Question number one. The film has a runtime of 139 minutes in which there are multiple instances of lengthy periods of no dialogue. According to IMDb, approximately how many minutes are entirely without dialogue? And I'll give it to you if you're within five minutes. Okay. Uh, What was the total runtime of the film again? Total runtime is 139 minutes. I would say probably 100 and... 10 minutes are silent unfortunately no so ah. you're not too far off you were just a little bit too high oh. uh 88 minutes a little bit too high that was a lot too high wow yeah you were like 17 <laughs> minutes that's not that bad there's more dialogue in the film than i like apparently remember wow like oh you know what yeah i'm missing i'm forgetting about a lot of scenes that had dialogue dang it <laughs> it is a very quiet movie like there's a lot of scenes in the movie where it's just music, but it's like really beautiful classical music. The movie is almost like a like a a, a music video almost, but for classical music. When you when you're listening to it and you're seeing these views of space, it's if you don't if you have a short attention span, you're you're gonna be turned off immediately. But if you just revel in the majesty of it and try and appreciate it in the same way that early movie goers for the most part appreciated it because they had never seen anything like this before then i i think you you really get more out of it yeah but i can see that i think classical music doesn't get enough attention and with a movie as historic as this one it kind of it fits preach it absolutely yeah i i grew up with uh I was in chorus for a long time, ah. so it was kind of it was in my lexicon to be related to classical music to some degree. Uh-huh. In my opinion, there's no music more moving than classical music, and I know a lot of people who really don't appreciate it can scoff at that. But to me, like you know, if I'm just like looking outside the window, you know, as I'm driving through it, I love listening to classical music. It almost feels like a score or a soundtrack for life. Um, and there's so many different emotions that classical music can capture. It's 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 great. I love yes, it. Yes, and, and and the the beauty of it in my mind, and a lot of people overlook this, 
is the fact that you can get such a profound, almost like a body high from a thing that has not a single word spoken generally. Oh, yeah. It's it is really like you can get good chills off of just a good horn section or a well played violin. It's it's it is it is something and and they say it like you play classical music to children in the womb. It's supposed to be really good for growth and development for plants too. Right. Like there's got to be something to that. They can't just be oh we're thinking about it so it is. Absolutely no I one hundred percent agree. It's unbelievable how much. Uh sound can move you without any words and how much could be communicated without any dialogue it's it's it speaks to the soul in a way that uh a lot of music genres i think don't yeah yep i uh i agree with that 100 percent. especially now unfortunately music is not what it once was and it's really upsetting to see where some of the modern day musicians that are called musicians anyways are taking music and they're just evolving it. But what I say evolve, I actually mean devolving really, <laughs> because it's not, it's just not as good. I feel like you, myself and every single other person feels that way at some point in their life. Like what the hell is this new music? This is garbage. But uh, I think the classic snappers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think classical music is, is classic for a reason. I think it has longevity for a reason. You know, I, I find it really hard to believe that, you know, a song like WAP is going to survive hundreds of years from now, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think we'll we'll be putting uh, Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion up there with Mozart, Bach, and Beethoven. No, I would be surprised. I could be wrong. Maybe I am, <laughs> but I'd be surprised. In, in 100 years, call me and tell me they're still singing Into Club by 50 Cent. <laughs> I forgot that song even existed already. <laughs> it's only been like 20 years. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get you going here on question number two. Cool. How many Oscars was the film nominated for? Oh, oh shit. Uh, definitely special effects. Probably best direction. Probably best cinematography maybe not best picture because i know there were a lot of people who kind of struggled with it it wasn't it wasn't horribly uh well received or it wasn't very well was not very well received when it came out um uh four 13 holy shit i suck this movie is way better than i thought it was My favorite movie. I got four nominations. I I thought four was (laughs) admirable, but 13. Damn, how did I not know that? Makes sense, though, because the movie is perfect. You heard it here, kids. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Wait, wait. So it was nominated for 14. Do you know how many actually won? Uh, 13. Hold on. I can find that out because Google's a quick thing for me. Oscar wins. Uh... I forgot that you have to type in a space odyssey otherwise you'll just get the year 2000 uh let's see i should just stop talking so it'll automatically get eliminated uh okay so did i lie i might have lied about the number of oscars i apologize i lied the number was it was four for the so i'm going to give it to you because i asked the wrong question it wasn't oscars it was overall awards that had 13 nominations. Um, apparently, it won 17, which doesn't make any sense, but won a lot of awards. But it did only get four Oscar nominations. And I think you nailed all of them. Director, writing story, screenplay, uh, art direction, and special effects. Yeah. So I think that gives you credit for that one. <laughs> I'll take it. Still a great movie. 13 was, or 14, 13 was very high. Uh, actually. 13 nominations overall, though. That's That was like uh, BAFTA and Science and Horror and nice. uh, uh, the regular Academy Awards. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a very winning movie. Man, I nailed it. That's awesome. I'm very proud of myself. Yes. When I asked the wrong question, you still got the right answer. That's very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> That's great. Moving on to question number three. Here we go. According to Stanley Kubrick, there was only one intentional joke in the film. What was it? Intentional joke in the film. I'll um, I'll broaden the question. 
It doesn't necessarily have to be something verbal. It could be a visual gag. Was it uh, the directions on how to use the bathroom? Mm, can you elaborate? So there is a scene where, uh, what's his name? Floyd, I think it was, is traveling from, I think it was Earth to the moon. And he's trying, and he's reading instructions on how to use the lavatory in space. Okay. Is there a specific name for the, for the toilet? If there is, I don't remember it. I'm going to give it to you because you were close enough. It was the zero gravity toilet. Okay. Yeah. I, that's only part in the film I remember really chuckling just because the idea of going to the bathroom in outer space is, you know, something it's, it's one of the first questions that astronauts are always asked, like, Oh, how do you use the bathroom in space? The whole concept of, pooping or peeing in zero gravity is fascinating <laughs> people so yeah just particles of poo and pee everywhere exactly <laughs> delicious uh... <laughs> i just made jonathan very uncomfortable <laughs> as as exemplified by that <laughs> yeah, yeah all right uh, here we go this one's going to be a little bit more uh in film question number four sure the monolith is called the TMA-1, but do you know what the TMA-1 stands for? Oh, I feel like I should know this. Oh, man. It's, it's gonna be... I'll give you a hint. The dash 1 stands for dash 1. I figured. Uh, so the monolith is a machine, technically, and it's like an alien device that spurs evolution. Um, tma could it possibly just mean... Tell you, I'll, I'll give you one letter. Pick one letter, I'll give you the, the word for it. A. Anomaly. Oh, fuck. The monolith anomaly? <laughs> That's actually pretty clever. I don't know. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not right, but it is clever. <laughs> I really want to know what it is now. It is the Tycho Magnetic Anomaly 1. Oh, that makes sense. Because the way they found the monolith buried under the moon was from magnetic waves it was emitting. I should have guessed that. Maybe not the Tycho part. I would have said, like, the magnetic anomaly. But, but no, that's right, because it also makes sense because it was found in the crater Tycho. Gosh, dang it. You can swear. It's okay. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Great. Uh, that's great. Every other swear. <laughs> it's great to know that. Uh, question number five. This one's up your alley. Let's see how well you do. <laughs> How many special effects shots are in the film? Keeping in mind that Star Wars Episode 6... 6? Yes. No. Sorry. Episode 4 has 350. New Hope. 350. I'll give it to you if you're within 5. What counts as a special effects shot? I would assume anything that requires effect. Uh, Visual editing, etc. Jeez. I feel like the whole movie's a special effect then. Um... Okay, so there's shots of space, there's monkey shots, there's like swirling vortex shots. <sighs> Star Wars is 300, you said. 350. 350. I wonder if this has more. I'm going to go with... Well, think of, you know, before, before you jump down that rabbit hole, remember that Star Wars came out, what, 10 years or so after A Space Odyssey? Yeah, but I mean, 2001 A Space Odyssey is also longer you know true but what was less available 10 years prior lightsaber holograms well everything everything really i mean all, all the all the technology was less advanced by a decade okay i feel like you're telling me so that be... it's less than star wars which i'm not hinting at anything but i'm i'm less inclined to give you more hints all right <laughs> let's go with uh two fitty ah Two oh five. Ah, did I say two fifty? Because I meant two oh five. Two oh five. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm. Yeah, we'll just call you dyslexic. Yeah, exactly. That, that, there it is. I can't I'm help it. dyslexic. I gotcha. <laughs> so that makes me two and two. Is that right? Two and three. Two and three. Two and three. Wait. So I've yes. gotten two correct. And... You got two right. Oh, two right. Okay. Fuck. Yes. Okay. Yes. I gotta make sure that I don't. No, because I got the Academy Awards. Four Lever nominations and the and the toilet. Oh, that was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the, the monolith anomaly didn't that, work for that's you. That's right. <laughs> that was the one I was forgetting. Okay. Okay, this one's a behind-the-scenes two-part question. 
Before 2001 A Space Odyssey acquired its final title, it had an alternate title. Actually, it had two alternate titles. One was a joke, and one was serious. What was the original serious title, and what was the alternate joke title? I have no idea. Am I still supposed to guess? You can just throw names and random stuff out there. You never know what throwing spaghetti at the wall will cause you. You might get a multiverse out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll say that the original ti- serious title was supposed to be the monolith. And I'll say the joke title was maybe supposed to be from monkeys to the moon. The second one was a lot closer than the first one. I think. <laughs> though still not anywhere close to right yeah. um so, <laughs> sorry yeah. um so this the serious original title was supposed to be journey beyond the stars i feel like i knew that fuck journey beyond the stars yeah that makes sense because that was the that was the title of the the third chapter of the movie or, or fourth chapter yeah that makes sense and the joke i think was a play on uh, westerns how the solar system was won. Ah, uh, interesting. That one was really, that was going to be a poll that I didn't think you were going to get, but no, you know. No. Okay. Two for, two for four. Question number seven. Damn. Two for, two for six. Oh, ah, uh, okay. And actually, if you want to get technicals, two for seven, because that was worth two points. You're killing me. <laughs> uh, you're killing yourself. I know. You, you were so convinced you knew your movies. <laughs> this one's my favorite. <laughs> Damn it. That's okay. Not going to be able to show my face again. Never. No, redemption will come for you, sir. It's a good thing this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't do a visual medium. All right, question number seven. This movie featured an early instance of the first use of what kind of projection technique? Projection technique? Um, I don't know the name of it, but I believe... It's very, very, very straightforward. Background projection? Background What's the opposite? Foreground projection? Oh, you still didn't get it right. Damn it. Backdrop projection. Backdrop. Front. Oh. Front. Front projection? Front projection. Oh, because you're projecting from the front? I To guess. the back? It says front projection. Okay. All right. I mean, a better name would have been background projection, but sure. <laughs> I don't make up the internet. <laughs> uh, All right. There's three more questions for you. There's still some time to turn around here. Okay, this one this one might actually be something you'd know. To get some information about extraterrestrial life, Stanley Kubrick went to what astrophysicist? Carl Sagan. Yes. Yes. Yes, very good. Yay. See? <laughs> I was I, I almost wanted to say Stephen Hawking, but then I was like, "Don't do it. Carl Sagan." <laughs> it, it was just a guess. I didn't actually know that. So Glad I got it right, though. Yes, astrophysicist in the 60s, Stephen Hawking. I don't know. I think he was maybe in his 20s back then. Wasn't he still in school, though? Wasn't he still influential? I have no idea. Maybe he wasn't even 20. I don't even, honestly, he's dead. That's all I know. (laughs) Yeah. All right, these these last two questions are both um, financials related, and they're both according to Wikipedia. Okay. So, first question, or sorry, ninth question, rather. According to Wikipedia, what is the worldwide box office total for this film within $5 million? Oh, damn. I I don't think it made much money. Box office. Holy cow. Worldwide. Worldwide box. I'm going to go... In the 60s. With... Just on its initial run, right? Or I would assume so, although this is according to Wikipedia, so it might be up to date. Okay. Let's go with 250 million i'm gonna let you guess again what uh what because i'm so closer because i'm so far off base uh you you shot a little high oh shit really damn and if, I'm, if i'm telling you to guess again i don't mean a little okay uh 150 i can give it to you on 150 okay yeah 150 it was 146 within 5 million there you go yep that's why I said I can give it to you with 150. Nice. Baum. I, I that's sad, honestly. But remember, 60s. That's not accounting for inflation. True. I, and I'm sure the movie. I think the movie. I think the movie was profitable. I could be wrong, but. Well, you can actually find that out right now when you tell me what the budget for the movie was. Is question number oh, ten. Damn. I'm hoping it's less than 150 million. Let's go <laughs> with. <laughs> 
in the 1960s. Based on that answer, this is going to shock you. <laughs> you know, I, I think you could make a movie this scale for pretty cheap in the 1960s. Let's say that the budget was 80 million. Jonathan. Yeah. 10.5 million. Wow. That's impressive. Um, no, you can't, there wasn't really much to it. Everything was really mostly soundstage. Yeah, yeah. I have no concept of what things cost in the 60s <laughs> at all, <laughs> clearly. Let's face it, you have no concept of what things cost now. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no, I mean, geez, I wonder what 80 million would have been like back in the 60s. That probably would have been like a billion. It was only made for 10 million. That's awesome. I, mean, I can... I can... I can check the inflation rate. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you walked away with four. What did Joseph walk away with? How many did he get right? It's close to that. It wasn't much more. Okay. It was either it was between four and six. Uh, as long as I didn't do worse than his ass, I'll be fine. I think you might have. Ah, fuck. You'll have to go listen to his episode to find out. I listened to it, too, and I don't even remember. Well, how many did you know about Fight Club? Zero. Yeah, I, I didn't know much more than him. <laughs> I mean, I I, okay. I liked that movie, too. I read the book before he did. Not that the questions were so much based on the book, but yeah, no. No, they really weren't. They were all, they they were were all, all about the movie. the movie. Except for the one aspect of the fact that it was about a book, and I asked that question. I just like to say that I'm a bigger, that I was a bigger fan of the movie than he was. And we're just going to say that, uh, yeah, he also got four out of ten right, because then I won't feel yeah, bad yeah, about myself. That works. Yeah. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Sips green cup of tea sideways, almost identical to Kermit. <laughs> it's my Green Lantern mug. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Looks like a tiki torch kind of thing. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like a tiki cup. The scene that me and you are going to be mad-libbing is the scene where Dave and Hal are talking about psychological profiles. You're going to be starting off as Hal. Please feel free to try to do a very good, good Hal impression. Sure, yeah. And I will probably fail miserably at doing my best, Dave. <laughs> so, Jonathan, whenever you are ready, take it away. By the way, do you mind if I ask you a moist question? No, not at all. Well, forgive me for being so chunky, but during the past few jiffies, I've wondered if you might be having some second thoughts about the flap. How do you squirt? <laughs> Well, it's rather pubic to curdle. Perhaps I'm just projecting my own panties about it. I know I've never completely <laughs> freed myself of the orifice that there are some extremely viscous things about this flap. I'm sure you'll agree there's some fetus in what I say. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's rather a pubic question to answer. You don't mind talking about it, do you, Dick? No, not at all. Well, certainly one could have been queasy about the very bulbous stories floating around before we left. Turds of something being dug up on the vomit. I never gave these stories much mucus, but particularly in view of some of the other things that have been happened, I find them pubic to put out of my mind. For instance, the way all of our jowls were kept under such festering security and the dripping touch of putting doctors Fokker, Asman, and Lickenshits aboard already in secretion after 69 months of separate, of separate training on their own. You're working up your muncher pus report. Of course I am. Sorry about this. I know it's a bit flaccid. <laughs> I can't help but flaccid. I'm sorry. That was great. God. So when you sent me the the, uh, the words to fill out for this, I yeah. remember reading an article that was saying that moist, the word moist for some reason, was like the most despised word in the English language. So I straight up and went to a list of like the top 50 most despised words, and I used them to fill out my, my entire form that you sent. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> Words like that pubic and flap. Yeah. <laughs> Flaccid, yeah. mucus pus, <laughs> viscous. Uh, all the trigger words. I'm going to have to write trigger warning at the top of this. Right, episode. right. 
Christ. Hopefully it didn't stop. Hopefully people are not like, ugh. <laughs> it started off with moist and stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that it is awful for women to hear that word. I don't know why it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> that and like panties and secretion. Yeah. Secretion is one that kind of makes me even just a little like I got goosebumps just a <laughs> Hearing the word, I'm like, Ugh. it does kind of give me chills. <laughs> it's gross. I, I can't tell you how long it took me to come up with the uh, the last names that I was intended to to fill out. Uh, Looking shits was. I'm just I didn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Looking shits was my favorite. Yeah, well, yeah, Fokker was great too, though. Yeah, even if it wasn't original. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, that was fun. Yes, of course. I love doing the Mad Libs. I, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you and the podcast. Well, you can find the podcast uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Freaking Alexa. Just ask. Basically, if you ask like Siri or Alexa to play the Dynamic Duel podcast, you should be able to find us. Social media-wise, we are also mostly on instagram we do a little bit of twitter we're not really heavily involved there not so much facebook as well instagram if you, if, if you want to contact us definitely do so through there and of course we have our patreon uh of which john is a member and uh of which you know we have the most interaction with our audience yep. and uh there's what five tiers on the on the patreon right now uh four, four. yeah yeah the lowest one is only two dollars and four, that's and, yeah okay. yeah that's the easiest way to get access to our discord which is a blast i love chatting with you guys on the regs about you know movie news and just life and and stuff and it's a constant debate it's fun. Yeah, usually with Miggy. Yeah, Miggy and Dustin. Yeah, those are the two great debaters. One day we're going to get them together and just put them in a room and see who uh, who lives and who dies. <laughs> I don't want Dustin to die, but uh, I'll be rooting for Miggy. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder if there's any professional bias in there. Jeez. <laughs> Miggy up against anyone. I'm choosing Miggy. Well, I'll, I'll give I'll give all credit where it's due. Miggy definitely has a, a level of knowledge that is above most other people on the discord well he he reads when a it comes lot of to comics reads a lot of comics yeah when it comes to comic book knowledge yeah he's yeah. he's great yeah him and dustin i think are the two uh top shelves there's there's quite a few other comic book readers on there but uh yeah no it's 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 always fun to see them get excited about things because i know it's hard for me to keep up with a lot of current comic book runs mm. so i sort of vicariously experience some of those stories through them and it's 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 a lot of it's a blast I love I love the Discord. I love the community that we've that we've uh, managed to set up there. Yep, you live vicariously through them and their comic reading, and I get belittled for not reading <laughs> enough comics. You need to read comics. They're great. They're great. They're I, not, I mean, they're not just I, uh, kid stuff. I do audiobooks, and I do yeah. listen to the comics in audio format. So I do take them in in some capacity. It's. I actually just I made my way through the uh, MCU book that came out. Oh really? The Reign of Marvel. Ah. God damn good read. Nice. That's cool. All right, listen. Yeah, audio is, I feel like it's the future. Uh, the way podcasts have taken off, I think there's going to be a lot more audio dramas that come out. At least I hope there are, because it's so much easier to listen to something as you're just going about life. You can watch the dishes and, li and, and listen to something. You could drive and listen to something. You can't really read and drive, hopefully. I mean, some people will still do it. No, nah, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, and you just, you mentioning audio dramas, you just reminded me. Have you heard that they did the Riddler? Yes, I have. That's cool. The first two episodes came out. It's really good. I, have, I haven't listened to it yet, but I will be. You can find me on my socials at the Madrivia podcast on Instagram, which is going to be just like you guys, the primary place to find my show because Twitter sucks <laughs> uh, so much that they actually just ended it with X now. So you just got to say X because it sucks X with so many X's <laughs> so bad. And Facebook also sucks. I agree. And yeah. So Instagram and on TikTok at the Mad Trivia podcast is where you'll also find me. TikTok is a pretty solid one too. You guys should get on there if you're not on there yet. We are not on there yet. Great place to upload clips. Yes. For sure. So, Jonathan, thank you for finally coming on after about nine months of trying. Yeah, no. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's It was a lot of fun. I knew it would be. Just listening to, to everyone else 
have fun with, with their episodes. So yeah, it was great. Thank you again, Jonathan. And thank you all listeners for once again, listening to the Mad Trivia Podcast. And I will catch you all next time. Until then, not up, up and away, true believers. <laughs> but stay mad. Stay mad. Nice. I know that's cold. I don't know much about Stephen Hawking other than he was wheelchair bound. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, He's dead. Who cares? Mindy. <laughs> Something. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cold. <laughs> it's okay. He's it, just like just like him. It was cold. Right. Oh, um. Okay. <laughs> uh, dark humor for days. That must be from the DC universe. That's right. <laughs>